Thanks for listening to the Refuel Podcast. Be sure to tune in every Thursday for a new episode. What's up, everybody? What's up, Jordan? What's going on? Dang, I'm getting hyped up. Good to see you guys. I know I'm not as beautiful as Matt is, but you get me for tonight. Let me get all my stuff set up. I have my laptop up here because my iPad's on 20%. So hopefully I don't run out of notes. So how's everybody doing? It's good to see you guys. You look really good. All right, so we are continuing in Ephesians tonight, as you couldn't tell. This is a really long series. Our series in Ephesians is called In Christ. We're learning essentially how to be in Christ. So tonight we're going to talk a little bit about something that uh, is kind of familiar to me. Uh, I'm really naturally an introvert, an introverted person. Who's an introvert in here? If you are brave enough to raise your hand. Do true introverts raise their hands or not? All right, maybe you're an introvert, like uh, if you've seen Parks and Rec, like Ron Swanson, I have a picture of Ron Swanson up here. That's not Ron Swanson, the one before that. If there were any more, if there were more more food and fewer people, this would be a perfect party. So how many people is that? How many people is that? Uh, Yeah, let's get people away from me. So if you're an introvert, you're kind of like this guy. If you've also seen Parks and Rec, maybe you're like Leslie, which is the next picture. And you're like, hey, talk to me, talk to me, talk to me. You're constantly wanting to talk to people. You can't go without being away from somebody. You have to be talking to them. So you're either an extrovert or you're an introvert. Either way, we're going to have to talk to people at some point in our lives, right? We can't get away from people. And that's kind of something we're going to touch on tonight in the text in Ephesians. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter 2. If you brought your Bibles, I know there was a post on Instagram earlier. If you saw it, you brought your Bible. If not, I can tell that you didn't bring the post. So let's uh, turn our Bibles to Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to be in the the next section after what Matt covered last week in verses 11 to 22. So... Talking about wanting to talk to strangers. If you're an introvert, you don't want to talk to strangers. If you're an extrovert, you love to talk to strangers, right? So we're looking at Ephesians 2, and stranger was kind of the first word that came to my mind, is because we, Paul is talking about in this section how we are strangers to God if we don't know him. If we don't know Jesus, we don't know Christ, we are strangers to God. We don't know God, we can't get to God because we don't know Jesus. We're separated from God, And we were in desperate need of a savior. That's why Jesus came. We know this, right? This is the basics of Christianity. So kind of the main thing that we're thinking about tonight is that you don't have to be a stranger to God. So that's on the screen right now if you want to remember that because that's kind of what we're thinking about. You don't have to be a stranger to God. So let's let's pray and let's ask God to speak to us through the text tonight uh, as we dive into it. So God, I just want to thank you so much for this privilege that we all get to gather here tonight, here at Refuel together. Uh, We get to worship you together as young people. We get to learn about you. We get to read your word and we get to see what you have for us. We get to see what you uh, have spoken through your apostles, through your prophets, through your word, the Bible. We get to see what you have in store for us tonight. I pray that you just... Uh, enlighten us to what your word has to say for us tonight uh, about how we were separated but you have brought us near. I pray that you would just be with us tonight, allow us to have a good night. Let's dial in and focus on what you have to say in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's get into this. The first part is that we're going to talk about being separated. So let's read this text starting in verse 11. 
says, therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth called uncircumcised by those who have called themselves circumcision, which is done in, body by, in the body by human hands. Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ. That's where we're focused on, right, on the first part. Separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise. Without hope and without God in the world. But now in Jesus Christ, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. That's our big key verse tonight. Verse 14, for he himself is our peace who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier by dividing the wall of hostility, by setting aside his flesh, the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace. And in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace, peace, not peach, peace to those who were near. For those, for through him, we have access to the father by one spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. Built on the foundation of apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. And the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy nation of the Lord. And in him, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. So we're looking at that first part, being separated. And it's the first part we're going to focus on. And that's in verses 11 and 12. So let's give a little background about the Jews. Jews are uh, God's uh, intended, or God always intended the Jews to be set apart. These were God's people. He chose them to be set apart uh, by a variety of different things. Uh, physically, we see circumcised versus uncircumcised. There was a physical mark to separate the Jews. He also gave them a law, which is do's and don'ts, for Jews to separate themselves from what we call the Gentile nations. So a Gentile is pretty much, most of you may know, not a Jew. So who in here is uh, a Gentile? Everyone's hand should be raised, right? So we're all Gentiles and that's important for us to remember because this first part talks about the Jews, but the rest of the chapter talks about the Gentiles. So these things uh, set apart the Jews. They were all about the law, following the law to the letter, keeping uh, what God set out for them in the Old Testament, what God gave them. Uh, they had diets, they had dietary restrictions and all that. And they were all about keeping the rules. They were all about following this law. But that doesn't necessarily make them moral people, does it? Following the rules. Because what God intended was for the Jews to be a light to the Gentile nations. And it's important to remember that the Gentiles were pagan nations. They had their own religions, their own weird rituals that were celebrating false gods and not the true God. And the Jews were meant to be set apart from these Gentile nations. But they didn't always keep that because what we see is that the Jews were more interested in keeping their rules than they were about reaching the other Gentile nations with the truth about their God, the God of Israel, which is our God that we're talking about tonight. So we see it throughout the Old Testament that God continually had to punish these, the, the Jews for not, um, not having their hearts right, for um, not ministering to the other pagan nations, the other Gentile nations, because they're more about keeping the rules. So we're looking at the Gentiles through the rest of this part of scripture. That's a good background for us to, to kind of 
start off with. So we're talking about Gentiles. Most of the converts, the Christians in the church of Ephesus, which is what this letter is written to, the Ephesians were people in Ephesus. They were Gentiles. And the Gentiles were uh, the outsiders, like we just talked about. They're outside of the Jewish nation, which is Israel. If you're outside of Israel, you're a Gentile, pretty much. You're not eth ethnically Jewish. So they were without, is our word that we're going to go through, in many areas, uh, which also describes a person who doesn't know Christ. So the, first of all, they were without Christ. And um, in Ephesus, they worshiped the, god, the goddess Diana. Uh, the, these people were known for having a lot of different gods, but especially in Ephesus, they worshiped Diana. So they were without Christ. They didn't know Christ because they worshiped this goddess. So this was the first thing that these people in the church had to overcome. Next, they were without citizenship. Like we said, they're not a part of Israel. They're Gentiles, right? They had no citizenship to Israel. Next, they were without a covenant. We see in the Old Testament that God made covenants with Israel, but he did not make any covenants with Gentile nations because he meant for the Jewish nation, Israel, to reach the pagan nations, which they did not. We saw that right. So they were without covenants. Gentile nations had no covenants with God. They had no hope because they practiced pagan religions and their religions couldn't help them face life or it couldn't help them face death. Unlike the Jewish nation, Israel, they had God to teach them about life and how to live. And they taught, he taught them about death and what there is after death. And finally, they were without God. Nobody knew the true God because they had gods of their own. I read a quote this weekend in a book. Uh, I don't know who said it because I have it says unknown. Uh, somebody said it was easier to find a God than a man in Athens in that Greek area. So they had, that pretty much says they had a ton of gods and you can find more gods than you could a man in Athens. So it, it's kind of sad because we see in religious history there is a record of people starting with many, uh, many gods and many idols but they never deduce it down to one singular God. It always starts with man, it always starts with man knowing the truth about God and intentionally turning away from him instead of deducing it down the other way as we think it might happen. So that's something to know is that these Gentiles, us, people in general, were separated from God. We have no hope without Jesus. That's the first part. So this Second part, thankfully, we don't have to be stuck in a hopeless state because we see the next section of our verses, we have been brought near. Let's look at verse 13, which is our big key verse. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. So we know that there are differences between Jews and Gentiles, right? We've covered that. We set that base. Um... We know there are differences, but it was, these differences were necessary because this is how God would accomplish his plan of salvation. Uh, we know that Jesus came and Jesus did away with those barriers because that was actually his purpose. His purpose was to do away with those differences and those separations. And we saw in verse 13, we have been brought near because we were far away. And the lost sinner has been reconciled to God. If we jump down to verse 16, we see that it says that, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death 
their hostility. To reconcile is a term that I know what it means, but I had actually had to look it up. I didn't know how to define it. And it, it means, the definition is to bring together again. So it really made a lot of sense because the first thing that came to my mind was like a father or a mother who longs for their child to come back, somebody who doesn't talk to them anymore. Or maybe it's the opposite for one of you guys. You know, maybe there's a parent that you haven't spoken to and you long to reconcile with them, to bring together again. Or a brother or a sister or a friend or somebody who you've had a relationship with who you desire to reconcile that relationship with. So we see that God reconciled us to him. So in Jesus Christ, the Jew and the Gentile became one. And I have a reference from Romans uh, 10, verses 12 to 13. It's on the screen here. For if there is no difference between Jew and Gentile, the same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So we see that we've been brought near like Verse 13 says, we've been brought near because we were far off and we've been brought near to God because now we are all one. Remember the differences we talked about, Jew and Gentile, the law versus no law that the Gentiles had? That doesn't matter anymore because now we're all one. Christ's sacrifice on the cross erased that and now we are all one in Christ. So, what do you think, how do you think the Jews responded to this? The people who have kept this law letter by letter for thousands of years, what, what do you think they thought about that? They didn't like that at all because they had kept the law letter by letter and the Gentiles were known as being lawless. They didn't have a law because like we said, God didn't make covenants with the Gentile nation. God gave the law to Jews. So Jews could reach the other nations, but they failed at that. Sorry, but the Gentiles were lawless the Jews hated that. But we see here in this verse, it doesn't matter because Jesus reconciled all people. And it's interesting that the Jews were so concerned about the law because they wanted to start with the law and they thought that it made them closer to God. And isn't it funny because we kind of see how people today think the same way. They think that we can do all these different things and we can get to God, but it's actually the opposite is God came to us and now that I'm following Christ, it's like, hey God, I want to give my life to you. I believe that you died for me. Now I want to do what you say. And do, you, do you see how it switches there? How the Jews had it all wrong and how people even have it wrong today? You don't have to do all these things to get to God because God made a way that you come to him. He's going to change your life. He's going to change your heart. And his laws are going to be just beautiful to you guys. So, no matter how, like I said, no matter how well we keep the, rule, the rules, uh, we're, we're lost without Jesus. Jesus is the main focus uh, of, of what we want to look at tonight. So, we want to take a step back and we want to look at the reality because it wasn't really about, it wasn't about the Gentiles becoming a Jew to be a Christian, to be a follower of Christ. It was, what it was really about was the Jew realizing that he was a sinner just like the Gentile was. And that is the main emphasis of what we're talking about here, is that admitting that you're a sinner is the very first step, because we all do wrong. And that brings us to Romans 3.23. I don't think I have it on the screen, actually. But Romans 3.23, if you know what it says, it says that all have sinned and all have come short of the glory of God. 
So here's God and here's us. We've come short. We're barely there. We missed the mark, which is actually what the word sin means. The, the word sin in the, um, in the Hebrew is an archery term and it means to miss the mark. So sin makes us miss. Yeah, you guys like that, right? Yeah, it's an archery term. Sin, the word sin means to miss the mark. I'm a language guy. I love to look at the, the language and the words. But yeah, um, we, let's look at verses 14, 15, and 17. So 14, for he himself is our peace who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier by dividing the wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace. Because Jesus at work on the cross, we now have peace between God. We see the, the phrase wall of hostility is because there is a wall of hostility. There was literally, a metaf metaphorically, there is a wall separating us from God. Our sin separates us from God. And we, there is hostility between us too. But because of Jesus' work on the cross, that wall of hostility has been crushed and knocked down. And now we have access to God because of Jesus. The next section of verses that we want to talk about is that God has a place for you in verse 19 to 22. Let's look at 19. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In, the whole building is in him, the whole building is joined together and rises and become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Look at verse 19. Paul points out three different, three different pictures that kind of illustrate the unity between the Jews and the Gentiles, which is us, and how Christ has unified us as believers. The first part of uh, verse 19 and 19a, consequently you're no, no longer foreigners or strangers. We're not foreigners or strangers anymore. Foreigners or strangers, foreigners meaning that people of all nations are offered the gift of salvation. People of all nations, ethnicities, countries, wherever you can think of, everybody's offered the gift of salvation. The Holy Spirit unites all believers regardless of their national background. This is a beautiful picture. I love this because this is a church. I love seeing the unity of all people from all across the world coming together and making up the church. I actually have a, a tattoo right here across my leg. It's Greek, another language, another little language uh, treat for you guys. Uh, it's a ethnos and it means ethnicity or ethnic group or people defined by uh, language or culture. And it's in the Great Commission. Uh, it's when it says, go therefore and preach the gospel to all nations. The word for nations is, is ethnos. And I love seeing that because it represents all people of the world. Because we look in Revelation, John says that he sees every tribe, tongue, and nation at the foot of the throne worshiping God. And that shows you the Great Commission one day comes to be fulfilled, that every tribe, tongue, and nation is reached with the gospel. I love that. I think that's awesome. So that's why I got on my, on my leg. So if you agree with tattoos or not, I'm sorry. But it's, it's really special to me, and I love that. But no, we're one nation in Christ because of Christ's work on the cross. He knocked down that barrier, and he rejoined us together so we can be with him. The second part of verse 19, 
is it says, fellow, we are but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. So we're one family. So first we are one nation. Oh, go, go ahead a few there, Jeff. One nation, now we're one family. That's the second part of verse 19, 19b. We're one family. We have citizenship with Christ. Remember how the Gentiles had no citizen, citizenship with Israel? Because there weren't, they weren't Jews, they're the pagan nations. Now we have citizenship with Christ because he's knocked down the borders of ethnicity, nationality, all that. We are now one with Christ. We have a family with Christ and we have a place with him in heaven because through Christ we enter into God's family and God becomes our father and then fellow believers become our brothers and sisters. We're a one family. It's God's perfect plan, his perfect idea to bring together. It's the ultimate social system. The ultimate social support system is the church. You have so many people in the church that uh, are there to help and encourage and aid each other. It, it, it's the perfect family is what God has created. So God becomes our father. We have citizenship in heaven. It's like, it's like your, your passport, your license. It says heaven and it's got your picture on it. So you have citizenship in heaven just like you have citizenship here in the United States. Or if anybody else has citizenship in another country, that'd be cool. Talk to me if that's you. Um, and then the final part is that we are one temple. That's the final two, two verses, 20, 21. Final three verses. I'm not good at math. 20, let's read it. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. That's important. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God has lives by his spirit. So one temple, temple's not really a term we really use today. Um, the temple, back in the Old Testament, God declared that he was going to dwell with his people. And in the temple, there's a little room in the temple and it's called the Holy of Holies. This is where God's literal presence would dwell at so he could dwell with his people in Israel. And since we're sinners, guess what happens if you walk into that Holy of Holies and that little place where God's presence is? You die because God cannot be where sin is. But God dwelled with his people nonetheless because that's how much he loves us and that's how much he cares for us. We see that he dwelled with us. He dwelled with his people in the temple in Israel. So then he dwelled literally, physically in the body of Christ when Christ came to earth because what's Matt say almost every week? Jesus is God in a bod. So God was dwelling with his people physically in the body of Christ. And we see that. Um, we saw that in the, in the accounts of the Gospels that Jesus dwelled physically with us. God does not dwell in church buildings or temples anymore. That is not true because that um, when Christ died, he rose again. That's the important part of the Gospel is that he rose again. He beat death. And he ascended back up to heaven. And when he ascended to heaven, there's a big switch. Jesus went to heaven and the spirit came down. And anybody who accepts Christ, the spirit lives within him. So now, we who put our faith in Jesus, the Holy Spirit dwells within us. We literally have, I think Matt said this before, you literally have a superpower. You literally have God living in you if you decided to follow Christ. You have received his spirit. 
And I, I think that's an awesome thing. And I think that's something that we shouldn't take lightly either. So we are one nation, one family, one temple because of God's work. Jesus at work on the cross. He united us all. Those who were far and those who were close. The Jews, close. The Gentiles, far. God brought us all together so we can be one. There is nothing that separates us from God at all. So we want to tie this up. Are you a stranger? Are you a stranger to God? Remember we talked about strangers? Are you a stranger to God? Are you far from God right now? Those people who haven't decided to follow Christ. Are you a stranger? Are you taking him seriously? Have you put your faith in Christ? Those you have, those who have accepted Christ, have you put all your faith in him? Are you following him every day? Are you letting him change your life? And if you haven't, will you put your faith in Christ? It's raining. All right. God, God's moving. Amen. Let's hear it. Wouldn't it be awesome if the lightning struck right now? Will you put your faith in Christ if you haven't done that? Sorry to get us off track. The rain kind of got us off track. Will you put your faith in Christ if you haven't? Hopefully I made sense of this. Hopefully I explained this well because I wanted to explain what Jesus did on the cross. It, it is life changing. You, there is no rule that you have to follow first. You have to just present yourself in front of God. Come to God. God, I'm ready to follow you. And that leads us into our application. So I have three words that begin with R. The first is, read the story of Jesus for yourself. I'm not, you don't have to listen to me. I want you to look for yourself. Because here, I know Matt emphasizes this really, really big at Refuel, is that we want you to read the Bible for yourself. A lot of places don't really encourage reading the Bible for themselves. Different churches that we're not going to talk about, but they want you to just listen to them. But we, we want you to read the Bible for yourself and see what you think. Read the story of Jesus. Grab a life book. We have life books. They're little books that are uh, written with uh, notes about the Gospels. We have the Gospel of John. We have the Gospel of Mark written. And they're awesome little commentary, little, little breakdowns of the Gospel with little notes written in them. It's, awesome. it's an awesome way to to get a better perspective on the Gospels. Uh, so grab a life book or read the Gospels or talk to a leader. Our leaders want to talk to you. They want to help you. They want to aid you if you are uh, looking for God, if you're, seeking, if you're seeking God and struggling with your faith. Number two, reflect on your own life. So reflect. I want you to do this when you get home. Whether you have accepted Christ, decided to follow him or not, reflect on your own life. Go home and sit down. Put the distractions away. I want you to take your phone. I don't have my phone in my pocket. But go take your phone and put it on the other side of the room and turn it off. Or put it on silent. Or throw it in the trash. I don't care. But go home and put the distractions away. And I want you to have a conversation with God. Because believe it or not, prayer is an awesome gift. Yeah. Ben agrees. Prayer is an awesome gift. You're literally talking to the God who created everything you see. And I want you to have a conversation with God and be honest with yourself. Because honestly, you're going to be surprised if you're honest with yourself. I think a lot of us, we constantly lie to ourselves. And we live a lie. And if we are honest with ourselves about our faith, I think you're going to be surprised how much you actually discover when we talk to ourselves about our faith and we have God's help shining a light on areas that we don't necessarily want a light shown on. So that's number two, reflect. And number three, ask God to reveal his truth to you. Like I said, prayer is powerful. 
So if you're wrestling with your faith in Jesus, I want you to pray and ask God to give you his guidance. If you've accepted Christ, ask him to continually reveal his truth to you. Through the scripture, there's three ways. Through the scripture, through prayer. So the scripture is God's actual words written down. Prayer is our answer. So it's like a conversation. God speaks through his word. The final word of God is written here. Prayer, we talk back to God. And number three, we see God in his creation. We can ask God to reveal his truth to us in his creation, which is people. People are made in God's image. And by loving people and by loving others and by living like Christ and reaching other people, I believe God can show us a lot through scripture, prayer, and loving other people. So hopefully that made sense. I know that's a lot to unpack. The whole historical differences between Jews, Gentiles, all that. Basically, is that there's no different, there's, there's no reason for you to, to be separated from God anymore because Jesus took care of that. If, if, we, should, if we were to put it in one word, one, one phrase to sum it up, Jesus took care of everything for you. He made us, he made us one. There are no walls dividing us from getting to him. All it takes is for us to just yield ourselves and give our lives to God. So let's, let's pray, let's reflect. If everybody wants to bow their heads, no looking around. I just want you to take a, a few seconds to really think on that, reflect, whether you do it tonight or whether you get home or both. I just want you to think about, are you taking God seriously or not? I know it's a hard thing to do, but I'm gonna pray. If you wanna talk to a leader tonight, would love for you to do that. If you wanna talk to Matt when he comes back next week, it'd be awesome, he'd be ready to talk to you because I know he's gonna break down a lot of this next week uh, in more detail. But I'm gonna pray and if you just wanna pray along with me, uh, talk to God about whatever it is you wanna talk about, whatever you need to get right. I encourage you to do that. God, thank you for this evening. I pray that you are able to search our hearts and show us uh, areas in our lives that we are lacking um, if we are ready to follow you, God. I pray that you would just make that known. If we're already following you, God, I pray you would strengthen our faith. Thank you for making us one in Christ. Thank you for bringing us near when we were far off in our sin. Thank you for your son's sacrifice on the cross. Pray that if anyone here tonight is struggling with uh, knowing you, knowing more about you, following you, God, I pray that they would just speak to us. Um, they would, you can get on the Refuel app and submit questions or prayer requests, all that. God, I just pray that you would work in our lives this week and that we would continue to live for you and seek your truth in everything we do. And in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thanks again for listening to the Refuel Podcast. If you have any questions or would like to review the notes from this podcast, be sure to download the Refuel app from the App Store on any mobile device.